Welcome to the podcast of People Church, where our vision is to connect Jesus to people and people to Jesus, influencing society in major cities around the world. From wherever you're listening, may you level up in your faith, your expectancy, and your relationship with Jesus. We hope God moves you through this message from Global Lead Pastor Chris Carmona. In this third week of our series, I want to speak from the title, The Strategy Behind the Mirror. The strategy behind the mirror. We're going to uh, read right now in Judges. We're going to read about Gideon. If you could throw it up there, Judges 6 for me. If you're following along back home, that'll be on your screen. It says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O brave man. But Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Can I just say right now, so relevant? Because how often do we ask why? When I've got to say this, why is not the most productive reason or question that we could ask. But I think one of the greater things we could actually understand is that God is going to unfold a different why. So while you're asking why the things around you, God will actually start to reveal the why he placed you in it. Sometimes we could sit there and we're like, God, why is this happening to me? Because we're unaware that the fight that God has placed inside of us is greater than the fight that is in front of us. And God needs people like you and me in the fight that we don't want to be in because who wants to be in a fight unless you're a fighter and then you do want to be in a fight. But most of us don't want to be in a fight. But you got to remember this. The question of why is it happening is not as great as the question of why is God placing you in an opportunity and in a space and time to be something that only God needs you to be. See, when you understand that God's got you there, you got to also understand that God doesn't have you there alone. So Gideon's sitting there, he's like, if you're with me, if I'm brave, why is all this happening? Let's never disassociate the fact that God never promised there wouldn't be a day of trouble. God just says, take heart. Why? Because when you're in trouble, just know this, I've already been there. Jesus will never place you in a, in, a, in a position that he hasn't already been there and therefore overcome. That's why he says, take heart. That thing you didn't see, come and take heart. I saw it, I covered it, I got you. I'm going to walk it out with you. We've got to understand that it's not why, but why God placed you there that we've got to shift our attention to. So then it says this, my Lord, if, if you are with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wondrous works, which our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out, up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how am I to rescue Israel? Behold, and we're going to focus on this portion right here. Behold, my family is the least significant in Manasseh and I am the youngest, aka smallest in my father's house. Not everybody loves the subject of mirrors, but I would say that the reality is it's the wrestle with identity that causes us not to like it. There's something about the mirror that could be uncomfortable, and the truth is that mirrors are often strategically placed. We've been kind of debriefing what a mirror is, and it's really simple. It's it's glass, some silver backing, and it reflects. But the truth is that in a mirror, you can also, by shaping the glass different or changing the backing, you can change the reflection. So a mirror could go from a reflector to a distorter. It could go from something that shows you you to something that interprets you. 
And all of a sudden, you know, you go from being able to stand in front of something that shows you you, but what if maybe the very you you see, the very you you associate with is not the you that God created? And what if you're seeing something that isn't even there? In fact, we were talking about House of Mirrors because i got four children and, and uh, we always go to the Museum of Science and Industry every year, at least four times a year. It's so good. Um, and there's always this moment where all the kids are like, basically, hey, can we go to the House of Mirrors? I'm like, I don't want to go to the House of Mirrors because I feel like scientists invented it to make us look stupid. Because basically, if you go in there, it's LEDs on top of the fact that it's mirror after mirror. And they're distorted, kids running in there, getting knocked out, like it's all happening. And then you go in there, and you just know what's happening as an adult, so you're kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, you just look, it just looks like you're playing space jump or, or charades or something. But the funny thing is that, like, every mirror is a little bit distorted. And the whole idea is that you might not get out of what you're in in any, t- in any timely fashion that it might hold you back or direct you in somewhere different. And so if we could read a definition about it, it says this, the House of Mirrors, Carter Steam Fair 2009, a house of mirrors or hall of mirrors is a traditional attraction at fun fairs. So fun. (laughs) And amusement parks, the basic concept behind a house of mirrors is to be a maze-like puzzle. In addition to the maze, participants are also given mirrors as obstacles and glass panes to parts of the maze they cannot yet get to. What if your identity is based on a strategic placement of a mirror that you were never meant to identify with? And I say that because I rarely see someone in the Bible, we often look at the people in the Bible and we're like, oh my gosh, I I couldn't do that. But you forget that the Bible is actually about the interaction between ordinary people and an extraordinary God, as cliched as that is, but when those, two things, when those two things meet, something shifts. And so in this moment, you can see with Gideon, but you could see it with Moses. Moses struggled to lean on what God asked him to do because of the identity that he listened to, the identity he owned as a stutterer, a stammerer. There's many, there's actually very few people in the Bible that had ever been in a place where they actually agreed with what God called out of them. And it often, in fact, feels like we have the need to alert God to his mistake. Like God's like, hey, I need to use you to change the world. I want to use you for this dream. And we're like, hold up. Okay. Love you. Appreciate your, uh, your kindness. Love that you believe the best in me. But uh, do you know who I am? And the problem is that we are defining ourselves before the definer. And maybe the issue, the weakness the insecurity that you associate with is not even real. What if it's nothing but a house of mirrors designed as an obstacle from the places that you're called to go? Because the devil understands this, before you know who you are, before you're aware of what God placed on earth, the devil is well aware. And because he's well aware, he's aimed and hell-bent at making sure that there are mirrors and things in your life that project an identity that is associated with someone of less when God has created you and hidden you with a place of more. Because this has to happen with Gideon. I mean, Gideon, just some context, he's sitting there and he's in a place where you should make wine, he's threshing wheat, basically prepping for his worst day. What you prep for says a lot about what you think about yourself. Because how many of us spend more time prepping for our worst day, 
How many of us spend our time prepping for rejection? Walking into a room, I already know what I'm going to do when no one talks to me. Not if, but when. This is my beeline, this is what I'm going to do. This is why this, in some ways, there's always a God opportunity in something scary. Most people won't come to church because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Well, now people can actually experience church through this. But how often do we pray? We prep for the things that we think are going to happen, but they're not in alignment with what God is actually calling us to happen. So anyway, God speaks to Gideon, and Gideon basically argues with God. A.K.A. God speaks to him, the actual mirror. And what we like to do is present a mirror back to God, saying, no, no, this is who I really am. No, 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 I know you said I will, but I don't think you see who I am. I know you said I will, but I don't think you understand the labels that come with me because of where I came from. See, he, the first thing he did is he pointed where he came from and his position within his place. What if the strategically placed mirrors? Because although Gideon would have thought that he wasn't a man of valor, a man of bravery, because every day of his life, maybe a position was held in front of him, a.k.a. a mirror. This is who you are. This is where you come from. Therefore, this is where you belong. Can I just tell you? It doesn't matter whether you get here for the, like, whether you're here for the first time or listening for the first time. I want to tell you, it is no mistake that you are in this series called Mirrors. Because I think if we stop and really look through our life, there's probably been places and, and mirrors that have been awkwardly shaped to highlight the lack in your life that God wants to use. Now, let's just stop for a second. What if we stop calling it lack and understand it's called space? He says, go in this strength that you have. See, here's what I find amazing about God. He'll never ask you for something that you can't give. He never asked Moses to be eloquent. He just asked Moses to be faithful. He didn't ask Gideon to be what he couldn't be. He just said, be what, you've, what you can be. If we're going to be who we're called to be, if we're going to break the mirrors that are lying to us, we've got to understand that what we have is enough and that what we are lacking is not lack. It's called space. That space is the space that God wanted to fill. He's always wanted to be there. Number one is this. God designed you for God partnership. He's never going to send you to a war that you've got to win alone. He's not going to place you in a situation that you've got to overcome by yourself. In fact, every bit of lack, a.k.a. space, is the God-designed areas of your life that God wanted to fill so that you didn't have to. Rather than looking at what you don't have as lack, why don't you look at it as God's promise of faithfulness? What you don't have in your account is the space that I said I'll look for. That, 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 that strength that you don't have in eloquence or confidence is the very one that I will feel. It is not lack. If you allow God to come in, it becomes space. And the more space that God gets in, the more opportunity that you can go before. God has called us for such a time as this, meaning no matter where you are and the fact that you're in undesirable situations, God is in it with you. Not a lack, just an opportunity for God-shaped space. It's so easy to find ourselves just caught up in the mirrors. But the truth is that God has called us to be defined by His promises. You know, it's really, if you go down to Judges, a few more chapters, so Gideon by this point kind of just comes to the table and he's like, okay, we're going to do this. All right. And God, if you go, let's go to Judges 6 for a minute. We're going to read this. And it's just a little further down. 
in verse 31 and 32, it says this, but Joash said to all who stood, so basically, a bit of context, sorry, my bad. Basically, you've got uh, Gideon, and he realizes that if he's going to make space for God, that he's got to tear down some idols. And that his people basically had these idols, aka versions of God. The thing you got to understand about an idol isn't just it's something that you elevate in your life. The only reason you elevate it in your life is because you think it can provide what only God can give. The only reason money is an idol is because you think that it's a better provider of security than God. The only reason you think looks matter as much is because you think that the world's embrace of you is greater than God's elevation of you. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you have or don't have, but it's our lack that usually makes way for an abundance of idols, aka mirrors, things that we depend on. So then Gideon basically realizes this and he starts to actually, he goes in and the idol gets, he basically tears it down because there's not room for two people dictating where you go. And this is where we pick it up from. It says, but Joash said to all who stood against him, will you plead, sorry, last bit of detail. The people basically wanted to kill Gideon for getting rid of what they leaned on. The moment you mess with someone's mirror is the moment that they're ready to part ways because it's where they find their strength. What are your areas that you won't let someone speak to? If you had a Gideon in your life, because you got to remember Gideon was fighting on behalf of his people, if there's a Gideon in your world that wants to come in and help you break down some things that you're actually bowing to, what are the things that you won't let someone speak to? You can speak to anything, but don't talk about my relationships. You can talk to anything, but don't talk about my commitment level. You can talk about anything, but we're not talking about identity. You can talk to anything, but just these five things, don't touch them. Well, the truth is this, that the very thing you're not allowing for God to bring down is the very thing that you're bowing down before. So this is what the people are like, so angry, they want to kill him. And this is what happens. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? Whoever pleads for Baal shall be put to death while it is still morning. If Baal is a God, let him defend himself because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he named Gideon Jerubbabel, meaning let Baal plead because he had torn down his altar. You, this, is, this is amazing. Like, his dad comes to his behalf. He's like, whoa, 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 hold up a second. If you're going you're gonna to try to kill my son, first off, if this is a God, let him do it himself. Like, I, I just love, God's just got this way of just brash, kind of just like, come on. If your God's so big. And then he changes his name. This is just amazing. To let Baal plead. Like, hey, are your God so big? Your situation's so big? Let, let me just change your name for a second. And we're going to make it, we're going we're gonna to make it this. Make insecurity plead. We're, we're going to make it this. Make your issues plead. Wait, I, I don't think I can be what I'm called to be. I can't. Wait, let's make your lack plead. What he's basically saying is this. Point number two. If God has spoken... There is nothing else. Basically, God's already spoken to Gideon. So Gideon lives it out. And then the idols in his life start to fall. And when people start to defend the idols or the idols try to kind of come against him, 
His father comes and just says basically this, if God's already spoken, then there's nothing else to be said. And if this idol wants to elevate again, let it plead. You gotta understand that every single situation in your life, every single giant in this world that is outside of what God has already said, they can't come talk to you. Which means that his father had the position that we've gotta have. In the moments of attack, you gotta learn how to deflect. If the devil's gonna attack you with identity, you gotta deflect. He's basically saying, This is father. Don't come to me about this. And don't even go to my son about this. If you want to do something about this, you've got to get your God to plead to my God because my God's already spoken. How many times has there been a situation that gets noisy when you get closer? Every time you get closer to a breakthrough, the devil gets louder. But what we've got to understand is this. Don't threaten me. Don't talk to me. You've got to take this up with God because he's already spoken. So you either plead with him for some different outcome because all I know is this, that God said that he has already gone before me, that I could take heart because he's already defeated, that he is more than a conqueror, meaning he didn't just take over, he took over and then handed us the victory. Don't entertain arguments because arguments exalt themselves and become high things. There are things in your life that don't need a response. They need to plead. Tell things in your world. You don't have to even talk to me. Plead with God. Because God has the final word. How many times have you sat there and wrestled with a portion of your identity that other people wouldn't even see? Point number three is this. The devil wants to hide you before you find what God's hidden in you. Long point, understand. The devil wants to hide you before you find what God has hidden in you. I remember when I uh, first became a Christian, um, those were some days. I just remember people would, would kind of do this thing, and, and I didn't know what it was because Christians are just super encouraging. And like I'd be, I'd be just showing up to church, and you know, I'd be like still smelling like alcohol because, um, you know, pure And um, <laughs> And so... I just didn't even understand why people were like, are we going to cancel church? I was like, you might be sick. I don't want to get sick. We're all staying home. Like, everybody stay home. We're just staying home. We can have faith from home. Faith and wisdom, great recipe. Just saying. Anyway, um, so I remember, like, I'd rock up, and people would just say things. I was like, oh, you're kind. Like, they'd be like, you know, I see a leader in you, Chris. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. I see, I see leadership and I, man, I just see mighty man. And I remember one, one of my youth pastors was Cinder Dooley. She said, Chris, I see you as a mighty preacher one day. I was like, that's nice. And then I remember I get the job as youth pastor and I'm like, I'm, I'm a youth pastor and I just didn't know what to do. So I just swiveled in my youth pastor chair, like just over and over and just didn't know. Cause what do you do as a youth pastor when you don't know what you do until Friday? Like skate. Skating is a viable, actual strategic plan for a youth pastor. Like now I have to actually make decisions, but back then it was just like, well, what do I do? I've got to reach the youth. So I'm going to the skate park for hours of faithfulness. And I just remember like every moment that my pastor would walk in, this is not even an exaggeration. I genuinely thought this. I thought there was going to be like just a knock at the door and just walk in and go, hey, uh, come on. We know. We know who you, we basically know that you don't know. Like, you did well, 
He skated. But we got a new guy. Because it just genuinely felt like a fake. Right? Like when people give you words as a Christian or when someone encourages you, you kind of go, that's nice, but you don't really know me. And in fact, the moment someone tells you something about you that you've not seen before, the first thing you do is consult the mirror. I know you said I'm awesome, but my family would kind of tell me otherwise. Now, I know you said I've got a great future, but you also don't know the people that I've been with in the past. So kind of like nice, but my mirror still stands. See, the devil strategically puts mirrors, convexes in your mirrors, just just distorts them a little bit so that you might actually associate with a warped version of you. So that when the day where the you that God created has to stand, the you has been hidden behind insecurity, been hidden behind failure and label and history, and background, and what society says about me, and where I've come from, and what I can't achieve, and all my lack, because you still call it lack, not space. See, all of a sudden, the devil has made a master plan from the day that you were born to hide you from the very things that God wants to actually expose in you. In fact, if we go to Jeremiah, we don't have time to read it right now, but it says this, that before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. Formed you with a purpose, meaning you had purpose before you had shape. You had purpose before you had giftings. You were already set apart by God before you had anything going for you. And the devil knew it as much as God knew it. So from the moment you land on earth, because you're God, you're, you're heaven breathed so that you could be exhaled here on earth. All of a sudden, the devil starts placing mirror after mirror after mirror after mirror so that he might hide you. Gideon was in a place doing something that he didn't have to do in a place that he shouldn't be doing it. Are you living outside of where you could be because of the mirrors in your life tell you that's where you should be? God wasn't revealing something that didn't exist. He was revealing something that he put inside of Gideon before Gideon even had a face. Before you had a name, before you had a face, before you had a history, before you had parents assigned to you, you had a God-breathed future. And what the devil wants to do is hide you before you realize what God has hidden in you. Can I just tell you, in this series, there is things in you that you don't even know about just yet. And there's an identity that feels fake. And in fact, it might feel disassociated. You might have like identity dysmorphia where you look at a mirror that God tells you are, but you kind of see yourself as someone that's less than. Just know this, that people with less than in the Bible always rise to more than if they lean on God and allow him to do what only he could do. You are called to more. You will get there, but you've got to allow this to happen. One, let God stand before the idols in your life and watch them fall. Make the insecurities in your life answer to God. Don't answer them. There's no reason for you to have a conversation with something that has already been ruled on. If you go before a judge and the judge has made a ruling, anything after that moment is honestly possible perjury. You've got to just allow what has been ruled on your life to stand and you stand before the one who rules. Thank you for listening to this message. If God is moving you through this ministry and you feel led to partner with us to connect Jesus to people and people to Jesus, text GIVE to 844-294-8044. We release our podcast every Tuesday, so be sure to rate and subscribe. If you were moved by this message, please share it across your social platforms so that others may be encouraged by it 
and God may speak to them as He spoke to you.